Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. (laughs) Oh, man, we got technical difficulties going on here. This is a great day. What a great day and what a great subject. Feeling used. If you're feeling used, you've got to know, you've got to learn, you've got to appropriate that fifth element of service. Happy you're here today, this Wednesday, May the 26th, coming through a difficult season. That's what the MD family has been about. Hanging together, sticking together, encouraging one another during all of this season. So Rodney, Sue, Cindy, Lonnie, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this devotion. Uh, Many of you watch on Facebook, many watch on YouTube. You know the drill, like, share, follow the page, and let's, let's gather more. Hey, here a little Texan lingo. Let's gather more stray dogies into this corral. Amen. The corral of MD 2021. Today, I'm going to challenge you to go to the heights, to stoop to the lowest, to reach your potential in God, because I believe God has great things in store for you. And this day, this hour, and this significant pivotal moment, when we need God, we need God in a great way. I believe that the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, are we, the members of the body of Christ. So let's be a part of this. Come out of the shadows, identify yourself, and, in, and enjoy this season, this time together, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Central. Who among us, come on, let's be honest, who among us hasn't felt used at times? It's an age-old, it's an age-old problem. We do something for somebody only to have them take it for granted, not be thankful for it, or even to use it against us. Or maybe worse yet, they, they, they turn on us after we've helped them. Wasn't that what Mark Twain said? That's the difference between a man and a dog. If you help a dog, it'll be your best friend. Yeah. Sort of the dry, drowning man trying to drown the rescuer syndrome. We've all been there. It's one of those paradoxical things. I can't understand it. We pray to be used of God. Then we complain when we feel used. Oh, my. Come on now. Is that good? That is just good. We need to learn the fifth element of service. One that's one that's not taught, not encouraged. In fact, it's really discouraged. But I want to talk to you about it today. It was a number of years ago, Dr. Bruce Winston of Regent University compiled what he called the four C's of Christian Leadership, four components, four elements of service. The word minister means servant. The word ministry means service. That each believer, each of us serves in some way. Each of us has a service. How we serve, what we do, we call a ministry. To help others, that's a ministry. Whatever sphere there's no person born again, born of, born above, born of heaven, who doesn't have some gifts, some capacity for service. You do, I do, we all do. And when you find it, you find what you're passionate about. 
you recognize this is where God called me to be. So Michael, Deborah, Johnny, I believe that you have a role to play and that God wants to use you in a great way. We've been praying for India. They've been experiencing a great pandemic. Like some of you in our church family, some of you in the MD family, we've walked through old Calcutta in West Bengal, India. You, When you go into that area, you're moving into an area where blood sacrifices are still performed to Kali, the Hindu goddess of death. It's a dark place, a difficult place in old Calcutta. But there in old Calcutta stands also Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity. And you catch the fifth element, the forgotten element of true service to our king. And I want to share with you that fifth element. But first, let me go through the other four elements. Each of them begin with the C. So here we go, scribes, get ready. They are sometimes called the four C's of service. The first element is calling. Jesus said, I do the will of him who sent me. We operate, we function, we serve in the realm of God's will, in the realm of God's calling upon our lives. You see this constantly in the life of Jesus Christ. I mean, read the gospel of John. He's constantly making reference to fulfilling the will of him who sent him. Not the will of man, not the will of flesh, but the will of God. It's God's will for us to find our place of service and to operate in that place of calling. God calls us to service. He called his disciples. He called the 12 apostles, but he also called others. We forget the many, many people who followed after Jesus. He called them. He sent out the 12 at one time. And the next we read, he sent out the 70. We don't have the calling of the other 58, 70 minus 12 in the Bible. But God doesn't limit his calling to those who are going to stand behind the pulpit, those who are going to be pillars of the assembly, those who are going to suffer martyrdom or write the Bible. God calls everyone. Colleen, Donetta, God calls you. Yvette, Mary, God calls you. Carol, Penny, God calls you. Do you remember the story where he called the rich young ruler to sell all and follow him? He called the women who gave so selflessly to his call. He, he called then, he calls now. He called Joseph through dreams. He called David with a cause. He called Samuel through his voice saying his name in that near, nearly empty temple at night. God is still calling. He calls us to service. That's the first element of service is a calling. The second element is competence. If you're going to serve, do it with the spirit of excellence. Give it your best. Develop your capabilities, your competencies. God, God likes it when we excel in skill for service. When it came time to fashion the vessels for worship in the tabernacle in the wilderness, God told Moses that he had called Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, that he had filled this man with his spirit. He had given him the ability and knowledge to fashion works of gold, silver, and bronze. That craftsmanship, that competency had a divine origin. Can I just stop and say, I just want to stop and say, Matt, I need to stop and say this. We divide things between the secular and spiritual and believe our worship happens in the four walls of the church. It's solely in the sanctuary. But can I say each and everything we do, 
We're called to do for the glory of God. That's the work of our hands. That's the effort that we make. We should make it the best that we can because an element of service is competency, capability, because we're not doing it for man. We're doing it as unto the Lord. It's part of our worship. And there shouldn't be blemishes on our sacrifice. Okay, it's pet peeve time. You ready? It's a pet peeve. Deborah, pet peeve. I just got to get it off my chest. Got to share it with the MD crowd. I just got to share it with you. People get sloppy in what they do for God. They give their best to their family, to their job, but with church, well, it'll do. I remember my travels being in a church one weekend. The pastor's wife was showing around, showing us around the facility. She pointed one door and said, I won't open that. And she went on to explain. She said, this is the room where we store stuff that people in the church don't want. She didn't say it that way, but here's sort of how she described it. She said, you know, so often people will bring things they don't want in their house to the church. They'll ask us for a tax donation. They bought a new breakfast table and chairs, so they want to bring their old to the church. This is the room where all this, this stuff is kept. Folks, that's called a blemish sacrifice. It's not good enough for us, but it'll, it'll do for God. That, that good enough mindset is the impediment to true service. What we do for God should be our best and we should strive to grow better at what we do. How many of you ever heard? Oh, oh boy, I'm, I'm going back. How many of you have ever heard, uh, when it's time to sing a special? You remember that we used to have specials. This was a special song. And when it was time to sing a special, someone walked up and, uh, and said these words, uh, listen to the words of the song. Don't pay any attention to how I sing it. In other words, in other words, it's not going to be the best and that's okay. But is it your best? Did you work hard to excel? Uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be at the top of the top of the top, but is it your best to the Lord? I believe this is an element of service that we forget. Uh, I'm going to get up and study my lesson on Sunday morning, five minutes before I get up and teach because it'll do. You know, I, I, I get weary of that. It'll do. I love when people work hard and they pour themselves into something and say this, I'm going to give of my best. My efforts today should supersede those of yesterday. I should grow more skillful each and every day. And what I'm doing for God, because I'm doing it for God, and he deserves my very best. I'm going to do it with all my heart, with all my might, with everything I can. So the first two elements of service, calling, competence. Here's the third, confidence confidence. We know what we're supposed to do. We know how to do it and even do it well. But if if we're tentative, if we're self-conscious, if we give that uncertain sound, if we're hesitant to get off the sidelines onto the playing field, if we're unsure, then our service for God is not going to be what it should be. Can, Can I just look at this just a little bit? We, we have no confidence in the flesh. We should be confident in the Lord. We need an, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me attitude. 
In other words, I'm not boasting in the flesh. I'm boasting in my God who is able, who promised when I open my mouth, he will fill it. Simon Peter's a case study in this. He stepped out of the boat. You got to hand it to him. 11 other guys didn't. He walked on water. That's confidence in God. But then he got his eyes off Jesus on his circumstances. His own reasoning took hold. There's no way. I, I mean, I can't walk on water. Gravity rules. And that's where he faltered. He began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And here's what Jesus said. Why did you have so little faith? Why did you doubt? Doubt, little faith. Why did you doubt God? God was out here with you on those waters. Why did you doubt me? Throughout the Lord's ministry, you're going to see him pointing out the little faith and the no faith that creates obstacles for mankind. It's that second trip to the upper room that fanned the flames of revival in the early church. The first trip, they received the promise of the Father. Second trip, they prayed for boldness. We need the confidence in God. I can't explain it. It's a paradox. We are to be meek. We're never to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we are to be bold and to be confident in the Lord. It's a difficult balance. One attainable only through extreme awareness of our dependence on God. We know we need him. And by knowing that and knowing he shows up, we can run through a troop, leap over a wall. We have confidence toward God and not the flesh. Don, I believe that with all of my heart. Hope, Sue, I believe that. Calling, competence, confidence. The fourth element is character. All service to the Lord is marked with character. I know we make mistakes. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us need the compassions that fail not his mercy, his grace. But from what I know about God and his word, I'm hesitant to excuse our failures. We have to reflect his character. Be ye holy for I am holy. We are living sacrifices. If he didn't accept blemish sacrifices yesterday, we can't, we can't tolerate, excuse and minimize our own thoughts and failures, faults and failures. Read the, read the Beatitudes, read the book of Philemon, read first and second Peter, read the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy and Titus, and you're going to see character is important. Uh, Psalm 15, Lord, who, who can abide in your tabernacle? Who can dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity, works righteousness, speaks truth in his heart. Then look at verse 13. Those who dwell with God, they don't slander. They don't mistreat their neighbor. They don't find uh, occasion to malign or discredit their friend's character. In our service to God, this is the fourth element, and it's so important. When you when you look in the New Testament and you see what when Paul talks about the deacons and the leaders and the ministries and the teams and the local church, look at all of the qualities. I count 33 of them in the pastoral epistles alone. What's emphasized more than anything else? Not skills, not talents, not abilities, but integrity. We are to live what we preach. We don't just talk the talk. We walk the walk. Well, I've got a bunch of walk walkers in morning devotion. Lonnie, I believe that with all my heart. We want to walk the walk. But this is where we usually stop and we do it in our own peril. We hit the fourth element of service, calling, competence, confidence, character, 
And then we stop. And this is where we get in trouble because there's a fifth element. And you and I need to remember this. The fifth element of service helps us when we feel used. And the fifth element is carelessness. Yes. There should be a certain carelessness about our service to God. That the left hand doesn't know what the right is doing. That we don't flow chart and diagram everything out. That we don't go to a spreadsheet with everything to figure out what's efficient and cost effective. Because if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Do you remember that parable of four soils? That the sower sowed good seed into all four soils. Surely the sower knew the chances were great that the seed sown amongst the thorns is going to be choked out. The seed sows in the wayside going to be trampled down. The seeds sown in the stony soil are not going to grow or bear fruit. But that didn't stop him from sowing. He was careless. There's a certain abandonment that comes in our service for God that we just don't get too focused on what everybody is thinking and how everybody views what we do. There's a certain abandonment that I'm doing this for the Lord. It's not my job to track the seed, to see where the seed landed and what happened to the seed. My job is to continue to sow it. It's not my job. If you're in the element of watering, which we would say is a prayer ministry and discipleship, it's not our job to put on a flow chart how many people that we touched, how many people just uh, responded and what. You don't know the heart of man and you don't know the reach of the gospel. So, Water, give it your best and let God give the increase. There is a certain carelessness about all that we do for God and it helps us when we feel used. Judas, yes, it was Judas that pointed out that Mary's offering to Jesus, that precious ointment, could have, could have fetched 300 pence. That's 300 days of labor for the average working man, could have fed the poor. Jesus told Judas, you leave her alone because what seems careless to you is going to rebound for all eternity. I really believe this, folks. I believe this, that the lives we touch, the acts of worship, they're going to outlive us and we're not really aware of who we have blessed. We blessed others without knowing that we blessed them. We blessed others without knowing who they are. So Bridget and Tricia, we just keep blessing and we just keep doing our part. And we don't look around to see what everybody else is doing. And we're not waiting for somebody to applaud and somebody to give us a gold star or to give us a trophy and say, you did a good job. We're doing this as unto the Lord. And we know that in the end of it all, as long as we are just careless, abandoned, prodigal, prodigal and lavish and extravagant in our gift for God, that God's going to work this out. I love that old, that old story, uh, the bridge builder, an old man going along a lone highway, came an evening cold and gray to a chasm 
vast deep wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim, the sullen stream had no fear for him, but he turned, went safe on the other side, and he built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again will pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at evening tide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said. There followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been naught to me, to that fair-haired youth, may a pitfall be. He, too, must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. You and I don't know who's going to cross over on the bridges that we build. The things we think most consequential now, the acts of service we may think most important, may not be that way at all. It may be those seemingly accidental, serendipitous, providential things we do that transform lives. I think it's so important. I know we should act purposefully and intentionally, but we need to leave the results in the hands of God and let him determine how our efforts best flow into other people's lives. We cast our bread on the waters, not knowing who will be blessed downstream. We give to causes and missions. We give of ourselves, not knowing who will be touched by it. Carelessness. That carelessness is seen in the Old Testament. Don't reap the corners of the field. Leave the corners to the strangers. Hey, hey, reapers, don't look back when you're reaping. Leave the gleanings to the widows following along behind. It's purposeful purposelessness. It's carelessness, a carelessness that honors God. And that's what we need in serving others. This is the fifth element that helps us so much. It's a certain carelessness that we just give, that we don't look too closely at what we're doing. We don't expect to be rewarded down here. In fact, you you can expect to feel used. You can expect to be taken advantage of. But you just keep doing what you're doing and let God sort the results out in the end. So when the times come, and they will come, that you feel used, keep your eyes on the Lord and keep your hands open. Leave the results to him. You simply don't know what God is doing through your efforts. This side of glory, you will never know. But you, you don't know the people I work with. You don't know the people I live with. You don't understand what I'm going through. And you are exactly right. I completely agree with you. I don't know. But I've lived long enough that I take great consolation in knowing God knows. He knows the way we take. He orders our steps. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He shall receive glory from our lives. Let a forgetfulness, an amnesia, a carelessness grip you. This was the attitude that kept Mother Trace and those sisters of charity that worked with her, ministering to those in need in just seemingly insurmountable odds. 
helping those thought unlovable in a hostile climate where their efforts were less than appreciated. But it was on our wall. Mother Teresa had modified a version of some of the sayings written by Dr. Kent Keith, what he called paradoxical sayings. What Mother Teresa called anyway. Yeah, I like this. Here's what she has written, had written on her walls. People are often unreasonable, irrational, self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others can destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, knowing that it will never be enough, but give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. That's the quality of service needed, a certain carelessness in what we do, and a certain focus that we're doing this for the Lord. We're not expecting anything in return. We just give and we give anyway. And that keeps you from feeling used and dwelling on those thoughts. I thought of something this morning. It's a parable of the wheat and tares. Let me close with this. The farmer, the farmer sowed wheat, the enemy sowed weeds. And the master said, wait till the harvest. And these things are going to be sorted out. The weeds will be separated from the wheat. The worthless will be separated from the worthwhile. I'm told that the tares look like wheat. I wonder how much time, hey, morning devotion crowd, Teresa, Mary, I wonder how much time do we spend tending tares, cultivating weeds, not realizing the worthwhile is growing all around us. Be attentive to all areas of your life. But remember this, you'll never really know where you're going to be blessed and you never really know how you're going to be rewarded in the life to come. Are you feeling used? Learn that fifth element of service, a carelessness to the things of this world and a focus on heaven. God bless you. Thank you for being here with us in morning devotion. Please take a moment, leave a thought out to the side, share this with someone else, share this with someone else that may be struggling in their service for the Lord, doing a great job, struggling as a mom or a dad, struggling and not really knowing if they're batting a thousand, hitting all the marks. I think it'll be an encouragement with them. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. And may the Lord be with you all through the day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.